Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi welcoming you to this episode of Reconciling Grace. I'm joined today by our full panel, starting to my left with Vicki Cundiff and then going to Mick Wells and Steve Wilson. It's good to have all of us back together again after several episodes of seeming that one person or another was having to be gone. So I'm really glad to have everybody back with us today. And Mick is going to be leading our discussion today on the topic of God and animals. And Mick, I just kind of wonder if you might be able to share with us where you got this idea from. Well, you know, I'm really glad for an opportunity to deal with this subject because uh, I personally have a greater appreciation of God just from viewing him. You know, the the Bible says the, the heavens declare the glory of God. I see the glory of God in his creation in in animals and uh, i know people run hot and cold on animals and i thought this would be a good opportunity to take a look at the scriptures and see what perhaps god had in mind and how he values uh animals and i'm sure people have had good experiences and bad experiences uh with animals i was thinking (laughs) of something a friend of mine years ago used to say quite a bit because he was mad about this person at work and mad about somebody else. And he would often say, and I can hear it in the back of my head, he said, the more I see of people, the more I love my dog. And I think there's there's some truth behind that because there's, a, there's an innocence in a sense that God, uh, how's that, what do you call that? Innocence in a sense. <laughs> when uh, when you come to the door and a, and a friendly animal greets you coming home, and there are other times when you wish that uh, they would go in a corner and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I do see the hand of God. And I was going to just ask uh, the, you panel members here, um, if you have a pet. I, Steve, I know you have a couple. We were mm-hmm. talking about it. Mm-hmm. Just to see um, what you think about animals in terms of uh, the hand of God in in their lives and how God has used an animal to to help you in some fashion. Anybody have uh, any thoughts? Well, I'd have to say for me, uh, i got two dogs and a cat. Recently got the two dogs. And um, they can have, you know, varying effects on my mood. But a lot of times if I'm uh, stressed or something, you know, they'll come up to me and just their their friendly enthusiasm will uh, help brighten my day. Yeah, I, uh, I've i got a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I've got three of them. They find me. I live at the edge of town, and the strays, I, I put out food for them, and suddenly they're not stray anymore. And I remember one that was all messed up. His ears were bleeding, and he was not friendly at all, but after feeding him for a while, um, he became friendlier. And one day I was sitting on my porch out front and the cat came up, sat in front of me, and then he jumped up in my lap and he started hitting his 
head against my chin, mm -hmm. which is a sign of affection. Well, that cat uh, adopted us, and we adopted him. His name is Scruffy, and uh, he came to me at a time I really needed a, an animal friend, and I, I thank God for him. How about you, Vicki? Do you have a creature? I don't right now. I've had cats and dogs over the years, and... Uh... Just a, like an opposite effect, <laughs> just sitting here remembering. I mean, I, I love cats particularly, but uh -huh. uh, just in my adult life, I had a cat one time, and it was on the step, the basement step, <laughs> and sleeping. And, you know, I'm just going down the stairs, not paying attention. <laughs> step. Fortunately, wow. I didn't break any bones when I got to the bottom. <laughs> but it was just funny because he just looks so guilty. He's coming in while I'm laying in bed trying to heal up and... <laughs> And feel better. He just, you know, he knew he did something wrong, you know, kind of thing. So, so yeah, I like them even though they sleep in the wrong places sure. sometimes. <laughs> Pete, do you have a, a pet? Or what do you think of animals? Well, for the first time over the past, what, year and a half now, in pretty much most of my life, I don't have a pet. Um, we have had much of the time, but um, when um, our one dog died, actually, is. Um, Riley was his name. He was a beagle, and, and our daughter Maria kind of adopted him. And it was like I kind of enjoyed not having dog hair all over the house for a while. <laughs> and then next thing I knew, something was wrong. She was cleaning her bedroom without being asked. And, and later that day, she was telling us about this dog that had been rescued from a rescue place. And the people were going to have to be getting rid of her. And she wanted to know if she could bring it home but my daughter was engaged at the time, and she said, just until I get married, and then I'll bring the dog with us. And so she did. Oh. And um, I just, it was really bizarre because I really did not want another dog. Not that I don't like them, but just having the responsibility of a dog um, was getting to the point where I was enjoying not having to make sure that I was home by a certain time to feed the dog or get the dog out or whatever. And I literally, I prayed about it and felt that God was showing me that, yes, we have to go ahead and in order to be obedient to God, we need to take this dog in. And we did. And um, I guess that she's been helpful to uh, <laughs> to somebody or, mm -hmm. or to our daughter or, or to us. And, and we still get the opportunity to babysit her a lot because uh, our daughter only lives about a mile away. And so if they need to go away somewhere, we end up watching the dog for the evening or something like that. Well, I found that they they are a, a lot of work, uh, and there's some wonderful things about them. Um, I've thought, too, that it's occurred to me that getting, getting a free cat, for instance, is like getting a coupon for $5 off on a Cadillac, too. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of expense there. But they are a lot of fun. Well, let's take a look at the Bible where do animals come from? This should seem fairly obvious to a Christian, but in, but in our world, um, it's not such a, a misleading question because a lot of people believe that we came uh, from animals, and I think you're going to find as we study the scriptures that God uh, created animals and, and that he also created us, and we have a special place in creation. So Steve, could you share with us Genesis chapter 1, verse 20? And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So there's no fuzz on that. If we believe the Bible, 
Uh, Genesis tells us that God created uh, the sea creatures and those that fly through the air. That was the fifth day of creation. And then he went on and, and built upon that on the sixth day of creation. Vicki, would you share with us Genesis one twenty four? And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And so you have the sea creatures and the birds on the fifth day. You've got the land animals, livestock, uh, wild animals on day six of creation. And you know, when you study for, uh, to present a program like this, uh, you run into questions that other people have. I saw a question that said, well, when did he make the insects? <laughs> you know, because they're not mentioned here. But you got to believe they're, they're certainly not plants. They are animals, and it was apparently one of those two days. So um, after God made these, uh, what, what happened? Uh, Pete, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, the first part. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Now, at the time he said that, he had already made man, too. So he had made everything by that point. And he, ste he stepped back, and uh, he didn't declare it just good. He said very good. And when that comes from God, you can take it uh, to the bank. Well, um, I have no concept of how what was going through uh, the mind of God to say we need sharks. We need musk oxen. We need birds. Uh, but he declared it, them all very good. But the Bible says that God cares about animals. And we're going to look at a few verses to that effect. I'm going to read you Psalm 36.6, which I just discovered within the past year, or at least it dawned on me. It says, your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. And that's out of the New Living Translation. I like the way that's phrased. So we know that God cares for people, but he cares for his creation. He cares for animals too. And I think that's what leads me or motivates me when I see a stray out back that's starving to open the door and throw out some cheap dog food or cat food because, you know, they need, God cares about them. And so in a sense, when I do that, I am helping fulfill God's care uh, for the animals. Some people would say, well, you know, they're wild animals. They should eat on their own and you're doing them a disservice. But this is the way I see it. A starving little kitten back there weighed just about a pound and a half, nothing but fur and bones. And that thing uh, ate the food I put out for it. It became a regular. We've got it at a animal placement shelter right now, but it warmed up to us. But I see that God cared for the animal through me, and I'm trying to give it the life that God intended for it. Steve, another example, uh, you, in fact, you brought this up to me the other day by email, mm -hmm. and uh, would you share with us Jonah chapter 4, verse 11? 
God says, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Yeah, what does that say to us? That says, basically, that God cared about his animals there, those animals he made. And I think it's a reflection of recognizing the innocence of animals. And uh, he was going to uh, spare the animals, and if he could, the 120,000 people in Nineveh uh, said who cannot tell their right hand from their left. In other words, they didn't know about uh, the true and living God. And so he was concerned both about the lost people and many, many animals. I've seen various translations. Some of it define them as cattle. But this translation says um, many animals. And I think we need to take a quick break here now, Mick. Um, we do have to pause for our sponsor, but then we'll pick right back up with this about God caring for animals right after this message. Welcome back to Reconciling Grace. We are privileged to look at God and animals as a topic in this program. We're taking a look at uh, how God cares, or does God care about animals? And so far we've seen he definitely does. And uh, we're up to a point where I've asked Vicki to share a verse from Genesis chapter 6 and verse 19. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Now, that is that says a lot to me, because you recall that the Bible says that Noah was found, I'll paraphrase here, pure in his generations, and God had selected him and his sons and their wives as a remnant to repopulate the earth. Now, we can't necessarily say the same about animals. They're different creatures. They Were they pure in their generations? I think that's a moot point. However, God did recognize, I believe, the innocence of his animals and how they were actually victimized or cursed or subject to the curse um, from the, the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and recognized that, hey, they've really done nothing wrong. Let's spare two of every living creature. Now, there were more added, as you can see in the scriptures, to um, offer sacrifices when the flood was receded. But, uh, yeah, two of all living creatures. I think we need to understand that when the rest of the human population was wiped out, so was the rest of the animal population. And so there's a parallel because God provided for a remnant of humankind and also the animal world here. And that means a, a lot to me because the animals didn't eat of the tree. They didn't disobey. They were rather uh, victimized, if you will. You know, one of the things that I've often wondered is, were all the sea creatures killed off during the flood? That's just a question. I don't know if we, we know the answer. Well, somebody else on the Internet came up with the same thing. Um, 
it said, were the whales wiped out in the flood? And I had to laugh at that because they live in water, <laughs> you know. Um, I believe, just based on what light I have, of course, that if, if a sea creature is subject to a flood, the only thing I can think of is to wipe them out is the freshwater, saltwater type thing uh, where they don't have the environment. But certainly sea creatures were not on the ark, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, yeah, good question. And by the way, there are a lot of questions without clear answers, just like that insects one uh, that we talked about a little earlier. And really, honestly, the question I asked if we never know the answer, it probably won't make a whole lot of difference to our salvation, will it? Well, I hope it doesn't, because uh, I'm un utterly unprepared if it does make a difference. Okay, Pete, I'm going to ask you to share with us a story. These are the words of Jesus, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. This tells me a lot, because he's basically pointing out that sparrows, which were fairly cheap and insignificant in, in terms of monetary value, he's watching them. And you know there was a song written about his eye is on, didn't say the condor, on the sparrow. But the point is that things that we consider almost insignificant, God knows about them. He knows every molecule of their body. He has his eye upon them, literally, as the song says. And not one of them will die without the Father um, unnoticed or not noticing it. So they are uh, within the care of the Father. And so he makes the point here and this is a big distinction. When, you, when it comes to how to treat animals versus humans, I think the scriptures clearly point out that God places human beings there ahead of the animal kingdom. I mean, we're going to see more about that later. But if there is a priority, God has it on humans. It says, don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Well, let's take a look at how God cares for them. And I've noticed a, a kind of a trending pattern here. It's going to be evidence in what we read here. These are from Psalm 104. And verse 14 says, He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Now, it's interesting the way he phrased that. He makes grass grow for the cattle. It's like he deliberately is providing for the nutritional needs of, of an animal. And Steve, would you share verse 21 from Psalm 104? The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. Clearly it's saying basically the same thing, that the lions, we've gone from uh, herbivore, a, a, cat, a cow, to a lion who is a carnivore, but they seek their food from God, the same God that provided grass for the cattle. And Vicki, would you share with us verses 27 and 28? All creatures look to you to give them food at the proper time. 
When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. And again, it's along the same lines. We've gone from cattle to lions. It says all creatures look to God to give them food at the proper time. Pete, would you share with us Matthew Matthew 6, verse 26? Again, these are the words of Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? So we shared with you four verses from the Scripture on how God cares for um, animals. And do you see the common thread there in those verses? God Mm -hmm. feeds them. Food. Yes, God provides for their needs. Food. He does it in a variety of ways. You know, some eat the plants. Some are going to kill other animals. Some are going to eat insects. And you said earlier how you fed the cat. You felt like it came to your door for Uh that. And so... God provides for them in multiple ways through his own creation and even through us. That's a great point because it's not just a one-size-fits-all. It's a, right. It's in God's way. It depends on the animal. Like some of them are animals of prey. Sure. You know, and so he just created them for all different kinds of purposes. Yeah. I have to, maybe this isn't the right place for this, but I have difficulty within myself knowing how to feel about the animals that kill others versus those that would eat plants. And we're going to get into this in a little more discussion when we talk about uh, vegetarianism and what the Bible implies about it. But I'll give you an example. If a pack of coyotes, and this is a very real possibility, if a pack of coyotes came up and surrounded my cat and killed it and ate it, I would be angry. Because that cat's like a family member to me. However, if I were to just go and see the little baby coyotes that the pack is trying to feed wherever they live in the woods, I am a sucker for baby animals. Okay, the little animals are cute. God wants them to be fed. He provides for them. I just wouldn't expect him to provide my cat because that's that's a fowl. <laughs> that's a, no, that's a mammal. Well, yes. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get into spell check here. <laughs> but you see, you see what I'm saying, and I'm sure that every person who's a vegetarian uh, probably deals with these kinds of feelings too. We'll get into that in a little while. That was what they call a rabbit trail. Um, Now, um, I wanted to, I I like to come up with counterpoints too, because I don't know what to think of these things. Um, Let me read for you Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. It said, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Okay, we just learned that God cares about his creation, he cares about animals. And after Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing God did? He went out and killed an animal to provide clothing or cover for them. And I'm thinking, well, what did the animal do to deserve uh, to to get killed? And I think this again points out that God holds the needs of human beings in higher at a higher level 
in the order because it said God made garments of skin. I I don't know whose skin that was other than an animal mm-hmm. to go well, out. Well, that also gets into, he wasn't just covering their nakedness. He was covering their sin. Yeah. So I think it wouldn't be too far afield to say, okay, well, here we have the first example of God making a sacrifice, which we'll see all throughout the Old Testament. Of uh, there's, a, there's a verse that says, there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Yes. So this first sin that Adam and Eve commit, there needs to be blood to cover that for them to come back into relationship with God. So, I mean, so, okay, yes, God cared about the animals. He cared about humans more. Yes. And we see that with Jesus, ultimately. God cares about his son, but shedding the blood of God's son is worth it to bring all of us back in relationship. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Steve. And it, it foreshadows what we see in the Old Testament with the sacrificing of animals to God. And of course, it's a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God mm-hmm. sacrificed on the cross. Excellent point. It, it just occurred to me in, in my own uh, way that there, God created the animals, he provides for them, they're happy, and then suddenly one of them gets killed. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think as an animal. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but he also said in, in the creation story that basically they're, they're, for the, they're subject to the people, to the human beings. Yes. And so God has created animals for all kinds of different purposes. Yes. And it was a great illustration that Steve gave. And it's also in the future, like for, you know, you do... Uh, use clothing, you know, from animals. You know how sure. there's, it comes from that, or or they provide food, and and like you mentioned earlier, they provide sacrifices. So yeah. they have a lot of different purposes. Yes, that that's that's excellent. And then once sin entered the world, we have to understand that the world stopped functioning as it was originally designed to function. So even though God probably did sacrifice these animals, as Steve said, there were suddenly animals that um, became. Uh, predators for other animals, that that didn't happen before either. So things changed when sin entered the world. Absolutely, uh, Pete. Now, one thing I wanted to point out in the program, too, is that animals have a purpose toward their creator, and we're going to see that in, in these verses. Steve, would you share with us Psalm 148, verses 7 to 10? It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. Okay, there we see uh, the instruction of the psalmist to praise the Lord, but the praise comes from, among other things, great sea creatures in the ocean depths, wild animals, cattle, small creatures, and flying birds. Now, we can't picture them sitting around singing praise and worship songs, but their very existence, uh, their very lives, give praise uh, to the Lord. That's one of the purposes of all creation here, because there's some things like storm and clouds, stormy winds that are not creatures uh, in the sense of moving living things. So I think we recognize that the very existence uh, gives praise to God. Uh, It's hard for me to think about 
a couple of my cats at home when they get in a fight as, as praising God, but their very existence praises God. All creation speaks to his glory. Vicki, uh, another verse along those lines, Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, who does that apply to? All of us. Everything that has breath. And I tell you what, we're using a lot of breath in this one. We are almost out of time. So for Steve Wilson and Vicki Cundiff, Mick Wells, thank you for sharing with us today. And we're going to do a part two of this one on Reconciling Grace next time. This has been Reconciling Grace. If you have a comment or a question for our panel, or if you would like to invite one or more of our panelists to share with your church or group, please send an email to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. And thank you for listening to Reconciling Grace. Grace.